0: Greetings, both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at Simmons at Enjoy the show. As we inch ever closer here to an American History 100, just a month or two away now, we wanted to continue talking about the TV show Vikings, and today we are on our second episode talking about season five of Vikings. We're doing two episodes per season, uh, not doing a full play-by-play. There's probably other podcasts I'm sure that go into even more depth breaking down the show itself. We just kind of wanted to talk about the characters that are discussed in the show and their real life proxies and just kind of a show that we both liked it's it's uh it's far from perfect and we were talking uh, off air uh, last week about how i kind of thought this season is where it kind of jumps the shark so to speak and kind of lost me but you said you kind of continued to dig it and really got into Ivar as, as his kind of Yeah. It's kind of ferocious turn here. This
1: is a, and it's funny because this is like a, we had a similar, I don't know if you remember this, but we had a similar discussion once talking about the movie Tombstone, Mm. where I really like the Doc Holliday, like chewing the scenery, overacting like over the top performance. And you're like, "Eh, like I, it's not, not really your thing. And this is kind of the same thing where I really like the, like the unhinged, psychotic over the top Ivar and that was like one of the reasons why you didn't like this like season and a half. Uh
0: yes. Now I I do feel the need to clarify my Tombstone stance. Oh, okay. I do really like the movie Tombstone, but when I rewatched it uh for the podcast, I realized that it is a guilty pleasure. So oh, okay. I thoroughly enjoy Val Kilmer in tombstone but i also agree with what you kind of said that i don't actually think it's a great performance but i still like it so that was minor clarification okay, that, that i do actually do enjoy tombstone you. greatly but i consider it a guilty pleasure right. now whereas before i think i considered it actually good i'm basically saying right. eh, it's not it's kind of like a bill and Ted's. it's like eh, it's not really good but i love it so that's kind of where tombstone has shifted to me
1: whereas i I disagree. I think it is actually really good.
0: No, no. And I, and I used to, it's already watched it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, uh,
1: similar sentiment here with Ivar where the crazy eye, like screaming during battle, just super evil. I really like that. And I, I think that it's, it made this season and a half or two seasons just as good. Like that's the thing that makes it as good as the first four seasons.
0: Okay, okay. Whereas, yeah, I just kind of just thought it was it was too much, and I it didn't feel. I'd be curious to see how something like this would have played in the in the world of the ninth century in Scandinavia. With, and I get the idea that you can maybe think that a leader is literally a god on earth, maybe. But is that was even that specifically is kind of what felt shark jumpy to me is that he's now claiming to be a deity and they're not just immediately assassinating him and i get that you kind of respect his prowess in battle as a warrior and stuff and i and i do like the dynamic of the guy who can't walk who is on a war chariot you know wielding weapons that was badass yeah but
1: and also like because he can't walk he's forced to become like almost like a martial arts master with his little hatchets that he uses to crawl around. Yes. And like, there's the one scene where he's, you know, is like killing everyone in that camp and he can't even stand up, but he's just kind of like rolling around and like chopping people's legs and stuff. Yes. And they can't do anything about it. Cause he just has this very unique fighting style. And then also the fact that he can't walk makes him be a lot more cerebral when it comes to, to fighting battles. So Like the rest of the sons of Ragnar, like Bjorn and Uba and Fitzirk and Sigurd, are all about like shield wall and then just charge and and start chopping.
0: Right, we just fight because we can fight. Whereas, yes, Ivar does have to be more savvy, and and I I do kind of like that dynamic. It's I just like said I was a little put off by the performance that I think is over the top, and and uh, we'll get a little more into like what the show is kind of going into and some of the historical stuff here. But the other thing too is. Again, we've, we've talked about where I get annoyed when it always seems like it's physical and athletic things aren't right. Okay. So this guy who can't put any weight on his legs, but he's, he's, you know, crazy strong arms. I'm fine with all that. War Chariot. I'm fine with all that. The moment they get him like a brace and a crutch, he can now put 50% of his weight on his legs. And so unrealistic. Like it's just like he he can't use his legs at all. Oh, but he get a little he get a little brace and a crutch, and now he can walk almost normal well, with a limp. Like so unrealistic. The, it drove me crazy the whole time.
1: It's not those braces aren't like the little hinge joint knee braces you get after a knee surgery. It's like it's like a giant metal cage for his legs. Uh-huh, like I don't uh-huh. they don't even bend.
0: Oh, you saying are oh, you saying the weight is being put on the metal? The weight
1: is basically being put on his hips and down into the metal instead of on his legs. That, ah. That's I, I don't know. That's the way that I... Because other if, if that's not the case, then you're right. It's unbelievable. But that's the way that I was thinking of, like... It's basically just like a giant apparatus to keep his weight off of his legs. Okay.
0: I would agree that that's a real-life way that that contraption could work with someone with this condition... I don't buy that the show was doing that. Like it's, I oh, I think it's okay. they just basically like, hey, I think the actor was just tired of crawling. He's like, dude, give me something, I'll well, limp.
1: <laughs> and also too, like it's it's not believable that someone who couldn't walk did all of the things that Ivar the Boneless actually did. Which by the way. No one really knows why he was called. Ivar no, the right, right. So, it, like, yeah. the direction that the show went with, oh, he's Ivar the Boneless because he has these, like, severely crippled legs and, like, very brittle leg bones. Like, that's one interpretation, but that might not have even, like, he might have just been a normal guy who was impotent or a normal guy who was hated. And the word for hated in one language is like, Sounds a lot like the words for without bones in another language. Right.
0: Although the show then does a good job of combining those two things of making him hated and not able to walk and impotent
1: (laughs) and impotent. Yeah. Yeah. He's just all of them. Right.
0: Before we get uh, more in depth uh, in Ivar, we'll come back to Ivar here. Okay. Not that the order I have things here is super important. Again, like I said last time, I kind of have forgotten the details of the, of the show as far as the order that these things happen. I do want to first because he, I don't think he's worth spending too much time on. But at the end of season four, and then he's kind of throughout season five, we get uh, John Reese. Is it John Reese Davies, right? Or is it John Reese? Oh, no, no, John Reese Myers. John Reese Davies is Gimli, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I always get them confused because the whole John Reese thing, but yeah, uh, John Reese Myers is uh, Bishop Heyman, who is an historical figure in that there was a guy named Bishop Heyman who died in battle. Yeah, But that's basically the extent... That's of, everything we know about yeah, <laughs> that's, Yes. So, I, again, another one that annoyed me, though, about season five. I think the same thing. He's just chewing the scenery in a way that's just a little too much. I mean, just a little too much. And again, I'm someone who... Daniel Day-Lewis is my favorite actor. actor. I can get behind some scenery chewing, but I still right. think he needed to dial it down a little bit.
1: <laughs> and this is another, another spot where... I love the Bishop Hegman character. (laughs) I just loved his, like, just super devoted to just killing heathens. I thought that was like his, that was his entire personality, was like, just being a bishop warrior for Jesus and just, oh, you're a heathen, you're going to die. Even if it means kind of a spoiler alert but even if it means fighting with other heathens if that allows me to kill more heathens then that's what i'm gonna do right,
0: which he kind of does under duress like they like capture him and it's like fight with us or die And he's like all right screw it i'll justify it by just what you're saying yeah,
1: yeah that's that is kind of funny that they're like either yeah fight with us or die and he's like well that's a funny coincidence that you say that because Jesus told me that I need to kill more heathens. So I guess if that's the only way that I can kill more heathens, then I, it, don't kill me, though.
0: I'll kill I'll kill the heathens you <laughs> wanted me to kill. Fine. Yeah. Right, yeah.
1: But it's not me. It's not because I don't want to die. It's because the Lord is telling me to.
0: <laughs> and it's actually the historical date of the real Bishop of Haman's death that actually uh, also helps date some significant battles against uh the vikings that the Anglo Anglo-Saxon, anglo-saxons had mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. uh bishop haymond died in 871 and there are two major battles uh the battles of basing and Meriton, where the anglo-saxons lost to the vikings i don't remember if they named the specific battles in the show and even if you just watched it a few weeks ago i doubt you remember specific names or places when it comes to that kind of thing but that does kind of help time some things out and then those battles were actually against a lot of these battles at the time were against the Danish Vikings, and obviously our yes. Vikings in the show are Norwegian.
1: Actually, almost well, I don't know about almost all, but like a lot of the fighting between the Saxons, the Anglo Saxons, and the Vikings was between Anglo Saxons and the Danes. Y- like yes. there were there were Norwegians there, but. A sizable chunk of all those battles were actually fought by Danish Vikings, not by Norwegians.
0: And even Ragnar Lothbrok, if he existed, was more likely to have been Danish than Norwegian and all that. Yes. Now, again, correct me if I'm wrong because you've seen it more recently, but when Alfred recruits Ube to help him fight against the Vikings, isn't that finally now against Danish Vikings that are separate from Ube's Norwegian Vikings? So that he's kind of like almost okay with fighting them? Uh, Yes,
1: like when you're talking about like when Ube does the trial by combat or not trial by combat, but the... Well,
0: that's that's all part of it. That's all part of it. Yeah. Because Alfred had recruited him in the first place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But those those guys, those are all Danish Vikings. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, he, the character and actor playing Ube, I think that kind of highlights my issues with Heyman and Ivar. I think Ube is great. I love the character of Ube and his performance. Yeah. He's way more real. And just feels like sure. part of a part of that world in a way. That I, so I is almost like kind of that that uh, contrast is even, maybe even part of the issue too. I'm like, well, Ube, I, I can Ube's doing great. Why can't everybody else? I can do see that. Like he's doing. I can see that. <laughs>
1: also, just a side note. Ube the the actor who plays Uba, Jordan Patrick Smith. I think looks the most oh, like. Yes. Is it Travis? Yes,
0: and the. Uh, the moa or something like that
1: Travis Fimmel Yeah yeah Fimmel Anyways the guy who plays Ragnar F- Oh Fimmel
0: Fimmel Travis yeah.
1: Fimmel So Jordan Patrick Smith looks just like Travis Fimmel who plays Ragnar like they look like right. they could
0: be real life related. siblings or brother father and son Yeah yeah yeah
1: They look so much alike that at one point when I was watching the show my wife was just like watching a random episode from like season five or season six with me. And I had previously watched, you know, she had seen Ragnar and other stuff. Yeah, They looked so similar. She thought that that was Ragnar. Right. And so there was stuff that he was doing where he would like refer to Ragnar. He would say something and she would be like, what, this is so confusing. Why is he... in that Ragnar? Talking yeah. Yeah. like <laughs> that. And I was like, that's Uba. And she's like, that's not Ragnar. I was like, no, that's a different character. That's his son. And she's like, oh, I thought... I thought those were the same guy. Yeah. Oh, and I
0: don't, I don't blame her. They look, they, they, yeah, they definitely they, look a lot yeah, like very,
1: very similar. So, yeah, great, great job on the casting for, uh, for
0: Uba, <laughs> for real. So, j- just looking at those actual battles I just mentioned. So, first was uh, basing in January of 871, where the Vikings did defeat King Ethelred at the time and Alfred, who wasn't king yet. Yes, um, and that battle was probably in South Central England, essentially probably what we would say is the heart of Wessex, and then. Uh, The Battle of Meriton was two months later. Just also, they don't actually know know where exactly, somewhere else in in Wessex. And the guy who's possibly Hitzirk is in command of the Danish Vikings at that time. So it is kind of just interesting how the you know the historical proxies and everything kind of all, all tied tied together yeah. and then aethelred actually dies again the show completely butchers all this and i'll get to that more kind of more in detail here but the show right the real life Ethelred dies about a month after the battle of mariton and that is when alfred becomes king
1: right like we talked about um Aethelwulf. He really wasn't dealing with very much Viking stuff.
0: It always his sons, yeah. It yeah. was
1: it was his sons afterwards, and he had yeah five sons who were all king at some point. Yeah, that is that is a a bit of a timeline thing that they change for the show.
0: Yeah, they they keep it's almost in a kind of another weird way with how they have their mother just obsessed because of the whole everyone's obsession with Athelstan the priest that. There is, oh, well, if Alfred is his son, that he's, you know, Eckbert thought he was destined for glory. Mom thinks he's destined for glory, is willing to then tell, you know, her older son with Aethelwulf to, you know, abdicate, or not abdicate, but they basically not even take the throne in the first place uh, and give the throne to his younger brother. And it's like, that's just all made up for no real reason.
1: Well, I think it's because they needed to add some drama to the English side. If you just have, oh, well, here's this guy who was just kind of like, didn't really do much it was just kind of like a
0: place of lurking i got gotcha. you yeah okay pretty
1: religious guy and he liked his sons and he went on this pilgrimage cuz he was kind of bored during his when he was a king and then like his sons are each king for a little while but they all die pretty young and then alfred the great like it's okay fair You need to change some of that stuff cuz that that is not exciting to watch yeah okay
0: that's <laughs> probably fair um so the real life Ethelred uh, actually had two sons when he died but it was actually just kind of agreed upon that Alfred would be king next anyway,
1: because they were they were so young, right his sons they
0: were so young, and the whole the next son must be king rule wasn't as firmly entrenched yet, and right. it was basically you when you were fighting the Vikings you needed stability, and having yeah. a ten year old or, or whoever on the throne does not provide that stability, so everyone right. was it was a seamless transition to Alfred despite the fact that he had younger nephews. Uh, or nephews that would, in today's world would have superseded him. Right. And then another character name, and again, this is just kind of just from the Wikipedia, I don't remember him in the show at all, but they have a character named Guthrum, who is Yarl uh, Borg's and uh, mm. Torvi's son in the show. Yeah. I don't remember him at all. Like, how old is he in the show w- at this point?
1: Uh, he's, I don't know how old the actor is. They don't say how old he is in the show, but he's like an old teenager, like probably late teens, early 20s.
0: Oh, wow, okay.
1: But he... His namesake though has a lot different story. And that's what I was gonna get. Yeah, from History, yeah. I think, than uh, than he does, because he just kind of dies relatively unceremoniously in the battle for Katagat later. Okay. In, in this season.
0: Yeah. So the historical Guthrum was actually like one of the Viking commanders around this time, and during during these battles and raids and stuff. But and he's one when uh, and we'll get and we'll get to it here too. When Alfred the Great finally gets his big victory over the Vikings. It's uh, the historical Guthrum who is forced to converse to Christianity Is kind of part of that treaty and kind of just kind of goes back and is still in East Anglia there or whatever. But it's just weird that he's significant enough with Alfred's story that it's odd that they didn't really do that. The, the, the Wikipedia page kind of mentioned that they do a little bit of Hitzerk's uh, storyline in the show is maybe a little parallel to Guthrum.
1: Yeah, because at the end of... At the end of season six, basically at the at the very end of the series, when Alfred ends up being victorious, one of the things that we see is uh Fitzgerald basically being baptized and uh converting to Christianity and they give him he he becomes a prince. He becomes Prince Ethelstan of Wessex.
0: Oh interesting. So I didn't What's crazy is I, I, season six. I didn't watch that long ago. I, I, I did watch it, you know, just a few months ago. I didn't remember that. Yeah,
1: basically, they, they basically had Guthrum, they kind of like named that character Guthrum as a nod to the real guy, but then killed him off. And then the stuff that he did, Fitzirk ends up doing. Gotcha. Yes. And so yeah. it's, it, it's another thing where it's like, yeah, that's probably how it, you know it, it didn't happen that way in history because the timeline is, would have been so much longer that Fitzwork was probably long dead by that time. But, you know, when you're writing the show, you can't just have this like random side character end up being this like big part of the Alfred the Great story. You have to have that be one of your main
0: characters that you've been with through the whole show. Right. We've talked about before where real life. Isn't a realistic story <laughs> it's, it, it's The suspension of disbelief You're like, well, where'd this guy come from? You gotta set that up It's like, well, no, people Stories aren't set up in real life They just kind of right. happen Okay, so I wanted to get I do not a super deep dive Nothing like what we did with our tournament or anything But I wanted to just get a little bit of Alpha the Great We've seen him kind of throughout the show We we see we basically see him conceived in the show, right? And so yeah. and th- this is kind of the season where He becomes king, kind of does a lot of stuff in his own right. In season six, he's more of an afterthought. I think he's just in a few episodes in season six. So I wanted to kind of spend some time here on the real Alfred the Great. Just to kind of contrast that with the show,
1: and he's played by uh, my boy from Sing Street. I forget his name, but yeah, 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 yeah. Sing Street.
0: <laughs> yes, everybody, everybody needs to watch the movie Sing Street. It has nothing to do with this podcast, <laughs> but it is one of my favorite and most underrated movies from the last decade.
1: It shows big time range though for that actor that he's like the dorky little music kid in Sing Street, and then Alfred the Great and Vikings.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, despite all of the historical issues with the show we've been talking about, it does look like they got the vibe or character of Alfred the Great pretty spot on. Not in like the historical details, but like his actual character. The real Alfred the Great was very educated and kind of this calm, cool, collected intellectual type. Dealing with the Vikings and always have to like concede and pay them off in a way that maybe looks makes him look not Particularly strong, but then also ultimately being victorious over them. So, like, that is right. That's who Alfred the Great was. Yeah. So, uh, he did call in the show. Again, you maybe can remind me here too. In the show, I'm pretty sure he is asking the priests to, hey, why don't we have mass in English so that people can understand it?
1: Yeah. It's one of the things I, I think it's right before he becomes king. I don't think he's king yet. But he takes a trip to Lindisfarne.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And meets one of the monks there. And he basically brings that up. He's like, hey, we or you should do your mass in English. And the guy's like, no, that's not how we do mass in Latin, because that's what the church says. And Alfred the Great is basically like, I don't think God would mind one way or the other. And then he also is a big proponent of like translating books into English, too. I don't think they really get into that. That much in the show, but I'm pretty sure it's brought up at least once. But he's basically like, we need to make sure that the nobility aren't the only people that are getting any kind of an education. Like, education and reading should be for everybody.
0: And so that's all mostly true. So I don't think he ever tried to get them to change mass itself. Because, I mean, shoot, they were doing Latin masses up to the 20th century. Yeah, But as far as general education, so even even most education was even in Latin at the time. So Alfred the Great did push right. to have regular books, probably not even the Bible yet, but like regular books and texts, well, maybe even the Bible. So not mass, but everything else. He did stress the importance of having education in English so the people could be more educated. Like that was something the yeah. actual Alfred the Great did. So what's interesting too is... The success of King Eckbert's line is impressive and kind of stands out at the time. So, for 200 years before Eckbert, a son had not succeeded a father as the king of the West Saxons. Oh, wow. With the West Saxons basically being Wessex. But now you have from Eckbert, I mean, that line now continues all the way to Queen Elizabeth II and her progeny. So, King Eckbert would be, again, it was actually even hard to count this many. So, I'm pretty sure. King Ecbert would be Queen Elizabeth's thirty-five times great grandfather. Oh wow! But again, like we've talked about before, too, everyone of European descent is likely descended from King Ecbert just because of the whole time and right. the common ancestor theory yeah. and all that. But yeah, uh, Alfred the Great was not obviously not born. Alfred the Great, Alfred was born uh, in eight forty-eight or eight forty-nine. The record's not one hundred percent clear, but right around there. Uh, he was the youngest of six children of King Athelwuth, who again we see that is his. Nominal father in the show, even though they have the whole Sten thing. He did likely visit the Pope as a child, as we've talked about a few times. But something on the way back from Rome that we have not discussed, that I thought was cool and ties into the show, is they spent some time at the court of Charles the Bald in France.
1: No, we did talk about that. That's where Ethel Wolf meets his second wife.
0: Oh, man. Okay, I guess I forgot that. So, man, I built that up and uh, completely forgot that you <laughs> must have already mentioned that, and I was up and down. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. Anyway, so I didn't think that was cool. It's still cool. Um it is cool, yeah. So I think it's actually only three of his brothers ruled before him. I think one of his brothers uh died before their father. Oh, okay. Three of his brothers ruled before him over the course of about sixteen years, basically five years of Athelba uh Athelbald, who actually usurped their father and then married their yeah. stepmother when they died, which we did kind of mention that part of it. Uh not the usurping part, but mm-hmm. we did mention that she married uh both the, the father and the son. He died after about five years. Then came Ethelbert, who ruled for another five years, and then Aethel Red, who we do see in the show. Uh, but of course, he didn't concede to Alfred. He just ruled for six years and then died. Alfred married Elwith of Mercia in 868, and that is the name of his wife in the show. Of course, they have him have her like sleep with Bjorn and stuff because she's not really yeah. in Alfred. That's all just kind of made up uh, for the show. Of course, um, he became king and. 871 right in the middle of the fighting of the great heathen army like we said it was those battles they had lost his brother dies he's now king in 871 Um, he spends years of just having to pay them off to keep them from you know the the vikings are just kicking their butts and they just kind of have to constantly concede 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 and then in 878 alfred finally scores uh, the major victory at the battle of eddington the again, the simple version, it sounds like he just finally got enough troops together to outnumber the Vikings and just uh get them to submit. They kinda of had them trapped in a uh fortified position and starve them out. And the uh, Guthrum who we mentioned is kind of a proxy for hitzerg in some ways, and then Ivar and Ube were all kind of the Viking commanders that he was dealing with at this time, the sons of Ragnar. And it is I guess historic slash legendary because you know we don't know if Ragnar even existed. But the idea that the Vikings were even the reason they were over here in the first place in the show is to avenge Ragnar's death. Right. That's one of the possible reasons they were actually over there in real life. Right. So that yeah. that is kind of interesting. That that may be accurate. Again, Ragnar might not even have existed though. So the record's not great there. Um, but basically, this victory for Alfred does seem to be the huge shift in the whole timeline here when you go from years of the Vikings constantly bullying the Anglo-Saxons to now the Anglo-Saxons are up on top. And even though there are continued fights and skirmishes over the years, it's now the Vikings who are the underdog from this point forward. Yeah. So that combined with all these educational reforms and adding a standing military, trying to play around with adding a Navy, lots of legal reforms. I think all of that is what combines to give you Alfred the Great.
1: Yeah. And that's That's something that uh, is interesting is that at that time, a standing army, like a permanent standing army, wasn't really a thing. And so Alfred was like, hey, out of all of these guys that we have, you know, that we can call up to be soldiers, why don't we have like half of them at any given time be already standing up as soldiers? Yes,
0: that was huge. Right. So have to keep farming because these guys are all farmers, right?
1: Right, and that's something that today we think of as like, well, duh, like you need to have a military. But at that time, like your military was just all of the farmers that you would call up to get a pick up their sword and then come fight. For right. You. So
0: then, so then the fields are left behind to so the women and the children, and then all the all the men right. are fighting and dying, and then they go back to yeah. farming completely. And then you got to right. call them all back again. Yeah. So instead of having yeah. yeah, basically it's basically set up a rotation.
1: And it was like a they even talk about that in the show. It was like a big deal just to call up your military. Like it would be this like big time consuming, expensive thing where you would have to like notify all these people and then have them all transported and then outfit them and train them. And it was like this big deal anytime. And it took a long time. Anytime you wanted to go fight somebody
0: and Vikings are known for speed. So you don't have that kind of time.
1: Right. So why don't we have like just a few guys always on like always on alert and like always suited up and ready to go just in case. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, yeah, that was kind of cool. And wasn't there, there was something too where he had like, I remember this vaguely from episode one of Rex factor, which was on Alfred the great. But there was some where he set up, like, a system of these, like, river forts that were also then, yes. like, like towns and, like, economic centers. But it, So it was, like, this dual thing where they led to a lot of, like, economic growth because they were, like, little towns all along the river. But then they also were little fortifications that if the Vikings were coming down the river, well, they can like, be in this little fort fight him for a little bit and then if they started to get overwhelmed they just retreat down to the next one mm, and then yes, they could fight yes. from there and then you know so on and so forth but and there was a certain there was a specific name for
0: him. yeah like Bur- burrs or something yeah it starts to be i forget yeah what, something yeah. like that yeah so that, yeah that's uh that's out the great and i, I do kind of i think it's pretty neat that he uh got to play such a major role over the course of the series and again he does show up again in season six but this is kind of i think the peak of his uh role in the show is is season five here
1: and isn't he's the only the only like from him all the way to Queen Elizabeth II, he's the only person in that whole line to have the epithet the great, right?
0: Yes, correct. He's the only quote great king of England, yeah. yes.
1: Which that's that's kinda cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and so Ivar. So I was gonna let let's have you do your uh deepish dive on the historical Ivar the Boneless now, who's played such a major role in this uh season.
1: It is kind of hard because there, there really isn't a ton like that's that's actually known about him.
0: It's all speculation and legend.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it is like, uh, yeah, might be legendary, might be real. He was born sometime in the early eight hundreds. Nobody really knows for sure.
0: Which right off the bat makes him way older than Alfred the Great, as far as our little timeline goes.
1: Yeah, because Alfred the Great was born when?
0: Oh, eighteen, late eighteen forties. So I guess not whale, but pro- probably twenty, thirty years older. Yeah,
1: eight forties. You did it again. What I say? You said eighteen. You said eighteen forties again.
0: Man, uh, yes, eight four, eight forties. Yeah,
1: but even though Al, even though Ivar was so much older, he was still alive during that time. Like he didn't, he didn't die till I think eight seventy three. Or eight in the eight seventies ish is when he's re- recorded to have died.
0: No, they were contemporaries. I did mention yeah. Ivar was still a uh, was still one of the people right. he was f- fighting against, but it would have been a young Alfred against an yeah. aged Ivar. Yeah,
1: but he he did actually have the nickname of the Boneless. But like we said before, no one really knows why that is. There's a lot of different theories. He is just like in the show, purported to be a son of Ragnar, um, and his mother is. In the Legends, his mother is uh, Aslog. And I think in the show, just like in the real Legends, the reason that he is the Boneless is because she was like a seer and told Ragnar when he came home from somewhere that they couldn't have sex for three nights, that they had to wait. Otherwise, there would be like a curse. And Ragnar couldn't wait that long. And then as a result... Ivar is the Boneless. So that, in the show, is basically pulled straight from the real-life legend of Ivar the Boneless.
0: Yes, yeah, even even that little bit yeah, is, is actually part of the legend. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. It's always remarkable to me what the show doesn't make up, that it's like these thousand-year-old legends.
1: He was uh, one of the leaders of the Great Heathen Army, along with the rest of the Sons of Ragnar. He is... Again, according to the legends, is responsible for the death of King Ayla by Blood Eagle in 867, just like in the show, as a revenge for for killing Ragnar, who Ayla supposedly dropped in a pit of snakes. Like, that is all exactly the legend.
0: Right. Well, there's there's almost a really good chance Ragnar existed. The reason he's a legend is we just don't have a good record we can actually point to. Yeah. We just have stories and no actual proof
1: right and the reason that we know that Ivar existed is because he exists in like English
0: records and stuff
1: right it's not just the uh, the Viking sagas that mention him it's also the uh yeah the English uh records at the time talk about Ivar and all the sons of Ragnar and the great heathen army and all that stuff right so during the the time of the great heathen army Ivar was actually not involved in the fighting in Wessex at all though So he did participate in fighting in Northumbria and in Mercia, but during the time where the Vikings were fighting in Wessex, he was actually with a different guy named Olaf the White fighting in present-day Scotland. So like Northumbria and then even further north. And then he's actually recorded as, well, this, this here says, In 871, Ivar returns to Dublin with Olaf the White, and Ivar is at that time known as King of all the Norsemen of all
0: Ireland and Britain. So he is the Norse King of Ireland, basically?
1: That's what what I guess he was known as in in Ireland at that time. Yeah, King of all the Norsemen of Ireland and Britain. So he was a pretty big deal as far as the, you know, even bigger than in the show, really. And then he uh, dies in 873. I don't think anyone really knows how, but that's when he's recorded as dying. Then there was something else that was interesting that I saw where, and, and this is after his death, but according to one of the Viking sagas, he was basically, as part of his will, like his last will and testament or his his dying uh, wish was to be buried in... A place that was like a vulnerable place for the Vikings in England, like a somewhere that was kind of where that left them exposed. And uh, there is a, a spot in Repton, which they talk about in the show, in present-day Repton, in 1686. There was a farmer there who discovered this like mass grave like a a Scandinavian burial site, and they think that that's actually the burial site of Ivar the Boneless. Oh, wow. Because there was like over 250 people buried there. And so whoever whoever was buried there would have been a big deal to have that many other people buried there with him. Hmm. And then also, according to the Viking saga, because he had that will where he wanted to be buried at a vulnerable spot, There's a legend that when William the Conqueror got to England, he went to that burial site and Ivar was not decayed. He was just still fresh. And William the Conqueror then had a funeral pyre burn Ivar the Boneless's body and only then was able to keep going further in his conquering. And that was, like, the only reason that he was actually able to achieve the victory that he did is because he burned Ivar the Boneless. And had he not, he would have been, like, under this curse from Ivar. Which I think is kind of cool.
0: That's interesting. And this idea that it was not recent history, but the idea that it was just 200 years after Ivar's death that William would have been doing this conquering. So, I mean, it would be like us with, you know... Benjamin Franklin times kind of thing so it's like yeah yeah not that long ago in the grand scheme of things yeah so another thing I kind of want to talk about but I don't remember their role in the show again so they do talk about the Sami or Sami I don't know how to actually say it the Sami uh, or yeah. Sami people from yeah. up north so the character in the show is uh, Snaefrid, but I don't I don't really remember her in the show so
1: they talk about the Sami people coming to help. Lagartha in the battle for katagat and they're like (laughs) they're kind of like the viking version of ewoks where they are like (laughs) they're these like uh wood people and they have like this face paint and the you know camouflage and they're using like toxic blow darts and stuff and they're basically the super skilled like gorilla warriors yeah and they're like they have some like really cool attacks too where they're like they have these like lasso things that they'll like swing and like throw to dude or wrap around his neck. And then they throw the other end up over a tree and just kind of hang on it and like pulls him up into the tree. I thought that was kind of cool. But, okay. Yes. Yeah. So they, they come to help Lagartha and then basically the girl in the show, I forget her name, but Bjorn is kind of fascinated with her and wants to marry yeah. her. Yeah. And she is the daughter of the, I don't know if he's a King, but the leader of all the Sami people that show up.
0: Okay. So yeah, so that, that is uh Sneifried, and she is based on a real person who was a possible, or at least a legendary person, but it's uh she was possibly a wife of Harold Fairhair at one okay. point in real life. Now again, we mentioned the historicity of whatever all of this is made a little sketchy, but um, she is a person with the Wikipedia page. <laughs> which an interesting story about her. So again, like the show is just kind of using the name, but the legend is that she was the daughter of a giant who basically, you know, Harold Fairhair, Harold Fairhair falls in love with the daughter of a giant from the north and wants to fool around with her. But the giant is like, well, you can marry her you know, make an honest woman of her, but you're not going right. to just fool around with her. So they get married or whatever. And then she dies and, like... Frogs and lizards and snakes like come out of her body, and that's how Harold Fairhair realizes she was actually a witch the whole time. <laughs> oh my god. <gosh. laughs> yeah, so anyway, all just legends, but that is Snafried, huh. the same the same character. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. But the uh the Sammy people themselves, and again, I don't know if it's Sammy or Sammy, I didn't look too close. So this is tricky because there's still a people that are around today, so I don't want to right. be offensive or whatever. They
1: actually speak Sami in the show.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. Okay.
1: All the characters speak that language, which I, I guess is still, it's like a an actual, like an ethnic group in Northern Nor- Norway. Is yeah.
0: That's, that, that, yes, that's the key thing. So the Sami do not consider themselves Scandinavian, they are a different people. So. They're just the extreme far north of all of that. So Russia, Finland, Sweden, Norway—the extreme far north of all of that—is kind of where the Samis are from, and it's still a group around today. And again, they don't consider themselves Scandinavian. So yeah, I, I do kind of wrote, like they're almost like the Scandinavian equivalent of Eskimos. Or whatever. But yes, they are kind of. It's a different culture, different traditions is is I mean I you know, I wasn't super familiar or super familiar with this at all. You just kind of lump all that together. It's like, "Oh, that's where the Scandinavians live," which is true, but the Sami also live yeah. in the extreme north of that region and are part of those countries today, but it's it's still a separate ethnic group. I mean, obviously there's they all live in cities and everything today, but you know what I'm saying, like it's it is still considered a different ethnic group. Kind yeah. of like we talk about with Wales versus the English. Like the Welsh are a different right. people. It's the same thing here. The Sami yeah. are a different people up in the north of all these countries. Yeah,
1: I, I guess earlier I said northern Norway, but they are, they go for just like Norway and Sweden and Finland and even like Russia. Like all of those countries, right. basically, kind of the yeah the top of where you would say like the Scandinavian Peninsula. Right, the north of it is all where they originated from, and they have yeah their own language, their own culture. They have like the yes, like the those. Uh, clothing that you see them wearing in the show is all like traditional Sami garb.
0: Yeah, yeah. They are sometimes called Laplanders, which is a term I had heard before that I had not, I had not heard Sami, but I heard Laplander. But I guess some of them consider the term Laplander offensive.
1: Oh, is, is that like a slur almost or or not?
0: I don't think it's a slur. It's it's, it's been probably not accurate oh, or it's not accurate. their. It's, I think it's I think it's because it's not their word. It's like Native American versus Indian. OK, maybe in the United States. Where this uh, some of them consider it like no that's call us by our word we're the Sami people and uh, of course again I didn't check to see if I'm pronouncing that correctly so apologize to any listeners in the northern part of Europe. <laughs> um. Oh, two things.
1: One, so just on the Wikipedia page for the Sami people, they have their own flag, uh, and it's like the the rectangle with the circle and the stripes. And it when I look at that it immediately reminded me of greenland's flag oh really because greenland is also like uh scandinavian adjacent (laughs) but their flag does not have that nordic cross on it it has a circle similar to the Sami flag i don't know if that's related at all uh, but that's what that reminds me of oh gotcha and then the other thing, this was a very minor thing that I just forgot to mention uh when I was talking about Ivar, but um all of the stuff that we see in the show where he's this like really innovative tactician and is just really good at thinking two and three steps ahead of his enemy, that's all taken from historical record as well. He was apparently okay a very a very uh smart guy when it came to fighting battles.
0: Um okay, so the the last character I wanted to mention, uh, we see him Briefly, I think in season five here, and we do get more of him in season six. And uh it's Olaf the Stout, King Olaf the Stout. So he's kind of the big guy with like the he has like the gauges in his ears. Even it looks like, even though it's back then. So uh, and he kind of betrays, and you don't have to remind me how he is introduced in season five here. But I'm pretty sure like Ivar goes and gets help from him at some point. He basically betrays Ivar, but then also agrees to help him against uh King Harold. Maybe I try to remember how he plays in season five.
1: Ivar sends Fitzirk. To basically recruit Olaf.
0: Oh, that's right. Ivar sends Hitzirk and then he basically captures Hitzirk and then, then says, okay, I'll help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So Fitzirk shows up and says, Ivar sent me to recruit you, but I don't want to recruit you to help Ivar. I want to recruit you to help me fight Ivar.
0: There it is. Yeah, yeah. Because it's
1: at that same time that Bjorn and Harold make their little alliance that they're going to go fight Ivar. Okay, yes. Ivar because he basically turns into, like, Viking Hitler. <laughs> yes. Where he's like, I'm a god, and uh he has his, like, secret police that are going around and just, like, murdering any kind of people who show any kind of dissent. And, yeah, so that he sends Fitzirk to uh get Olaf to help him, and then Fitzirk like, does a double cross. And then that's when you have Fitzirk and Olaf and Harold and Bjorn show up all against Ivar. All against
0: Ivar, yeah. So the reason I want to mention Olaf real quick here at the end of season five is, uh, one, he is based on a real king of Norway, but much later, like he lived from like 995 to 1030. Oh, really? So, and it's possible he's a three-time great-grandson of Harold Fairhair. So that's
1: that's funny because in the show he's Danish.
0: Oh yeah. So you
1: have all of these all of these uh, Vikings that are supposed that were probably Danish in real life being portrayed as Norwegian, and then you have this king of Norway, who's being is the king of the Danes. <laughs> That's funny.
0: Yes, so he united/slash attempted to unite Norway in a very similar manner to what you know. Fairhair is you know considered the first king of Norway, but things kind of fracture. Olaf kind of helps to at least try to bring them back together here again in the 11th century. He is often credited with Norway's you know final shift to Christianity. Of course, some people say maybe it would happen anyway but he is the patron saint of Norway. So he is Saint Olaf. So the reason I'm mentioning him now, because he's going to be our kick to next week. Ultimately, uh, he didn't control Norway very long and the nobles drove him into exile to Kievan Rus, which is what we will discuss extensively next time is we're going to see the Vikings dealing with the Russians. So stay tuned as we talk about season six of Vikings next time.